You're listening to Fear the Anthcast. I'm Josh. I'm JD. And this is episode seven. Lucky number seven. Is it lucky? Uh, it is because there's another Fear the Anthcast episode. So everybody's lucky that we came back. Well, there certainly seems to be a luck factor for all these characters. Ah, uh, that's how they live their lives. You, know, you, you take your <laughs> life into your own hands every day. Good luck or bad luck, it's still luck. Yes, absolutely. There's no, there's nothing, there's no planning. None of the ideas ever work out. It's just luck. If this works, woo. If it doesn't, I'm dead. Cool. That sounds a lot like how we approach recording a podcast. I think episode. so. It's just whatever. Yeah. It's just, we hey, what are we ev- going to do? I don't know. Just throw some shit out there. See what happens. It's like we said, everything <laughs> we've learned, we've learned from The Walking Dead. <laughs> that is true. Just life. We're going to recap season six, episodes one through four. Which worries me because that could turn this into a 14 hour episode. Let's, I don't know why. 14 I pick, hours. I don't know why I picked 14, but it's just a random number that I went with. It's it. a variable. It, it, it's a variable or a multiple of seven. I, yeah, exactly. Seven times two. We're going to double up <laughs> on the fun for episode seven. Um, what all what all are we going to cover? We're going to cover the first four episodes. Just do some seasons. recaps, what we thought. Yeah. Um, we've got some theories and things hopes. that we're going to go over. Some hopes and dreams. Hopes and dreams. That we're going to go over. <laughs> this is, if we were writing the show, this is what we would do. Uh, if we have time, I think we definitely need to talk a little bit about Flight 462. Yes, we do. I think five episodes of that have been released so far. So five You've minutes. You've watched all of them. I have. I have. Have you? I don't even know if it's full five minutes because I think the first one was like a dollar twenty-five, yeah. and the other ones are like 40 seconds or something. Right. I don't know. That's what freedom costs. A buck oh five. So let's not hesitate Never. Because in the world of the Never walking hesitate. dead. If you hesitate, you're, you're dead. dead. Yeah. You're dead. You're every dead. every time you say that, it makes me think of The Rock. When Sean Connery is like, you must never hesitate. Just, I don't know why, but I don't know why I brought up The Rock, but we're stalling. Let's That's go. an awesome movie. It is an awesome movie. All right. So I feel like this season has kind of started with a bang. Yeah. And I'm already liking this season. I don't know if I'm liking it better than season five. I know I'm liking it a more than season two and probably season three. Yes. Uh, four was a little wild. So Four was a little wild. I think we're too early to make an assessment as to where season six is mm-hmm. going to stand in the overall canon. Sure. It's a different premiere episode than a lot of the other seasons with the flashbacks that they have built in which i liked i think i think it was nice to change it up and it's a good storytelling device that i don't think they've taken full advantage of before so first time again again once again for the first time yes however you want to say it right like a virgin uh a 90 minute episode which is okay for a premiere Yes, absolutely. I'm not a fan of mid-season 90-minute episodes unless it's like the mid-season finale or the season finale. And they haven't had a season uh, premiere that's been 90 minutes. Right. Ever? I don't think so. Could be wrong on that, but that's not... Was Days Gone By? Was that... 
I honestly don't know. Somebody will correct us. Yeah, that's fine. Not to worry. Yeah, please do correct us. I mean, that's not something I, I researched. Seal Adams will know. He will. And, and he'll, he'll tweet us. He'll tweet us. Yeah. He'll tweet us about our wrongness. And then he'll DM us correctly. He'll <laughs> DM us both. Like, hey, really, guys? Oh, no, he's just mess with DM. Yeah, no, no, no. No, that, that's, that's too private. The whole world the whole- needs to know that you're an <laughs> idiot. Please, That's right. please, yeah. Public shaming. I'm into that. Let's just shame me. Keep shaming me. Uh, so, I really like the use of the flashbacks in this episode. I felt like it skirted the line at times and being a little gimmicky and really almost at times crossed that line. But I don't feel mm-hmm. like it ever actually did. Um, I, I liked it. I just felt like it was teetering on the edge of being hokey sure uh but i thought it was a great device and in fact as a matter of fact i thought that it was shot beautifully it was the black and white felt very artsy and it was a nice kind of relief from the the terror that was going on in the episode at the present time which i which was nice it's a nice every time you watch the walking dead you feel like you're in this tense moment all the time and knowing that it was in the past was kind of a nice break mentally for you like mm-hmm. oh this has already happened that's right we're past this so it's okay i can oh. kind of relax and know that everything's going to be okay for a few minutes oh here's another black and, black and white scene this shit happened in season five right which was which cool. is great yeah. yeah and then i think they did a good job of of telling of progressing the story like why are we here what happened to get us to this point mm. which was well done like you said it may be a little gimmicky but done well better kind of it made it reminded me of lost a little bit in, in that it was like a flashback in the present day flashback in the present day which is an mm. okay to use that storytelling device because lost was super successful with it so i feel like what we can do is instead of like recap like a scene by scene sure. uh take maybe we can just take some of the scenes from each episode mm-hmm. uh and kind of break them down a little bit. Well scenes that stuck with you for yes, sure. Yes, absolutely. And I think I think that's something I wanted to say overall, maybe before we kind of set some context around the whole conversation is you know uh, some big things happened. One big thing in particular yeah. happened uh in this uh, for in this month run. Yeah. One and, fairly large thing. And I actually waited, uh, to watch all the episodes together over the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, over the, I didn't watch them every week. Uh, I watched them all this past week. Uh, well, I watched the first two episodes and then I, the, the last two, I rewatched everything. Right. So it was interesting to go and knowing what was going to happen to go back and watch, uh, especially episode three yeah, uh, and watch episodes one and two. And you could kind of, yeah, knowing what's going to happen, knowing what's going to happen, mm-hmm. you could actually kind of see where they were kind of telegraphing that something was a lot of was going to yeah. occur, not necessarily. And and you don't pick up on this and, and unless you have that context. But it was interesting to see, especially the dynamic between Glenn and Nicholas, and yeah. um, the I want to of their relationship for sure. I want to say there was one scene in particular where Rick was kind of rallying the troops to get them to uh, commit to 
working that plan he came up with. Right. And uh, Glenn did not want. Yeah, he's Nicholas looking at Nicholas and he's saying, no, no, no. And then no, when Nicholas no. said, I'm going to go, it's like, what? Well, Glenn was like, well, what the hell are you I, doing? I hate you right now because right. we need the help and nobody else is volunteering, but I would rather nobody come than you. Right. So it was interesting to kind of see that. It was interesting. Interaction having known what was going to happen later down the road. So, right. And um, this is the first, since we're reviewing these episodes, I really watched these more closely Mm -hmm. and I have a new respect for the writers and the directors for each episode because they do an excellent job. I think of foreshadowing and also calling back to things in the past that I wouldn't have noticed when I normally just watch it kind of casually. But Mm -hmm. when you really pay attention, you're like, Oh my gosh, Mm. there is so much that they have done and so much continuity. So um, it gave me a new appreciation and a deeper appreciation for The Walking Dead for sure. So what were some of the scenes in the first episode that really kind of just stuck with you, like you said? All of the walk, all of the flashback scenes where with Carter. 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 Why didn't they just give Carter a red shirt? I know. Right? <laughs> but I think they did an excellent job of really – portraying the fact that the Alexandrians have no idea what reality is right now. They are in their little bubble and they don't know. So Carter is saying like, uh, you're dangerous. You're bad for the community. Everything was fine until you showed up. And Rick is like, um, you guys have no idea what's going on out here. You're a bunch of noobs. Bunch of, bunch of noobs. Like, this is your first time playing Halo <laughs> 5. I've been playing for 72 <laughs> right. hours straight. That's right. That's why it's 30 to 0. But the scene that particularly I liked is when Carter's trying to tell people, I'm going to kill Rick. I'm going to kill Rick. And mm. Eugene overhears and Rick walks in and holds a gun to his head. And he's like, really? really? <laughs> You're going to take this town from me, from Daryl, from Michonne? Really? Are you yeah. serious here? Yeah. And he continued with that when he's talking to, I forget who he was talking to. He's like, I wanted to kill him, but I didn't because I knew he's going to die People the like world, that. the world would take care yeah, of it the, for me. People like that are going to die anyway because they don't have any idea what's going to happen. And he's not wrong. No, he's not wrong. I mean, I think it, it was almost kind of like a thankless character in the sense that I like the fact that it was Ethan Embry. Yes, who's excellent. It, I've I always enjoy him, but I, I, I'm hesitant to say that it was a throwaway role. Because I think it served a great purpose in the sense that he embodied this hubris that the Alexandrians have around, we live in this little bubble and everything's cool and copacetic. And like yeah. you said, his confrontation with Rick, said, everything was fine until you came around. He's not wrong. But what you don't understand is that the world around you is not what you think it right. is and your ass needs to get ready. Now, what I've, I also found was interesting is that his arguments, uh, Carter's arguments were not uh, unfounded and no. he had some very valid points. Sure. And especially when he was talking about, you're going to believe this guy, you're going to trust him. You're going to go along with his plan. The, the, this is all actually very good points and things that you should bring up and things that you should push back on. But it's that underlining, again, underlining hubris of, I don't want anyone to go along. I almost felt like he embodied this whole thing, a mentality of no one should go along or side with these crazy people that just kind of swoop in, basically shaking up the apple cart and saying, we've got to go do these things because life is fine. Right. And we're happy and we're safe and, and we're fine. The walls 
up. The walls we're, up. We're, we're protected. protected. Nothing's going to get us. They're so naive. And, yes. You know, ignorance is bliss is a, a phrase that I think is very dangerous for anybody to participate in because ignorance just means that you're ignorant. It's not bliss. It doesn't mean that there's bliss outside of you. Like there is chaos and so much terror and destruction outside of Alexandria. The fact that you're not aware of it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. That's right. And so it's lucky for you that Rick and his group showed up when they did because (laughs) shit's about to get real. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, uh, you know, willful, willful ignorance is one of the most detrimental attitudes any human being can have. I get just being ignorant because you don't know any better. Sure. But when you choose to not educate yourself, mm-hmm. that's when I start having a problem. Or choose to ignore the obvious signs right. because you that's don't right. want to accept it. Absolutely. So some other stuff that went on this episode, um, let's talk about the quarry. Right. That's was fucking nuts. That's a terrifying <laughs> scene. I mean, good for them. Well, not good for them. They're going to bury Pete. Outside of the walls, like we don't marry, we don't bury murderers inside the wall. I didn't understand that. Like I, it's no, it's a good notion, but why put yourself at unnecessary risk? risk? Yeah, I don't. If you, I mean, if you don't want to bury him, then just, throw his ass over the wall and be yeah, done with it. Burn the body, or burn him up. Yeah, you don't need to give him a proper burial, right? And there's no need for that. If you have a problem with murderers, just, just I mean, don't desecrate the body or anything. Just cremate just, him. That's yeah, fine. Just. Have a burn pile. So I, fun. I didn't understand that scene. But when you go out and you see the quarry for the first time and you're like, dear, oh my goodness. That's, that was nuts. And they and the way they were sliding down yeah, into the quarry. falling into it. And just two, two um, semi-trucks blocking the exit. You're like, no. But enough space to where every now and again one could get through. That was gross. Minus their skin, of course. That was so disgusting. <laughs> that one that got through and his skin just peeled <laughs> off. I'm like, good for you. They're just trying something new, art department. Yeah. I appreciate it, it's, but that's nasty. And, and um, welcome to Alexandria. Uh, we have all these, uh, everything that you could ever want. We've got houses. Right. We've got supplies. Oh, oh, over here we have a quarry. Right. And, and oh, down here at, uh, at the bottom of the quarry is our zombie peeler. Right. It's quite nice. And then behind the zombie peeler <laughs> is the largest herd you've ever seen in your life. We thought that the uh, Coliseum or uh, stadium yeah. for, for, for Fear the Walking Dead was the biggest horde. Um, 2,500, wasn't that right? 2,000, I think it was 2,000 plus. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think we've ever gotten a number. Uh, I, mean, I was trying to think back, was there ever a time when we saw a larger uh, assembly right. of walkers at one time. And the only thing I could think of is I think episode two right. in the first season Oh, in Atlanta, uh, in Atlanta uh, maybe I, I don't, I can't, I don't think that was, I don't think that was anywhere close. Well, I don't know. Close There's to no way big. Been that yeah. big. But the quarry looked like it could have been, it was numerous bigger. thousands. Yeah. And I like the plan that they came up with in the statement that Rick made, like, this is the reason that they haven't had that many walkers. They're all going here. Yeah. They're all they, falling in this hole. They hear the they noise. Get out. They hear the noise. They come to the noise and they fall in this hole. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, basically. Like It's just a cycle. More noise, more walkers. More noise, more walkers. Which is great if it holds, but it's not going to hold. Well, at some point, though, 
you know, it looked like a lot of them would be able to still stand up and move around barely right. at some point. They're going to pile in there so much. I mean, it'd probably take years. Like World War Z. When they yeah, where they pile on top of each other. And if they pile on top of each other, it's going to raise the walker level right. to where they could start just walking over bodies to get through and right. create a walker bridge. Which well, I'm sure we'll see. I hope we see it one day. A just them bridge. stacked on top oh. of each other. Just There's so many on the bottom. <laughs> So I like their plan and and the plan that they have is is very smart. Like we need to get them away. We need to get them away from Alexandria. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to build walls and divert them and send them away. Cool. Great. Do it. Hmm. Good plan. Yeah, but plans never work in the Walking no, Dead. No, I, uh, well, it's kind of like life. There's no po- D- does anything in your life ever work according to the plan the, no. does anything ever work out the way you saw it work out in your head no there's kind of no, like you, you you have two boys i do i have children as well you do and you tell them to do something or you ask them to do something and do they ever do it the way that you see them doing it in your head no do you ever do you ever catch yourself maybe you don't do it yet but you're going to oh day. am i i've done this already boy why aren't you doing it the way I saw you doing right. it in my head? You I've said that out loud. Read my mind. <laughs> well, it's like Robin Hood. There's no perfect plans, only perfect intentions. And I think that's true. Like you, you intend for this to be perfect, but when, when things happen. Yeah. 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 So, and then I like the scene where Glenn and Nicholas and Heath have to go clear the depot because the sound that the walkers in the depot are going to make are going to pull them off the road. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, oh, we'll just open this door, kill them one at a time. Oh, wait, oh, there's a garage door here. I think we might have a problem. So let's shoot out this window and see what happens. And so that was, I think that was the start of Heath kind of getting his education because he was a runner. He, yeah, but, you know, runners avoid. They don't. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're against direct conflict. So, so we kind of see an evolution of Heath. Uh, over a couple of episodes. He's a good character. I like his yeah, character. Yeah. Oh, and well, hey, any character that gets props from Eugene or respect for the hair game. God. <laughs> Eugene. <laughs> I don't know what the show would be without Eugene, honestly. Respect the hair game. Uh, respect the hair game. Mm, big time. Uh, I'm new here, so I can't rightly ascertain if you actually live here or not. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, That's pretty funny. Yeah. I, I I like the moments of humor so far. Yes. And I think that the show needs more of that. I think we need to see more of the characters in the face of danger being sarcastic and not over the top, right. but just because that's humor is, is a, a coping mechanism. And a lot of us deal with dire situations, right. uh, even in the face of death with humor because sure. we if you can't uh if you can't laugh about something you can't crack a joke uh then the the uh, uh hopelessness uh and the direness of the situation will consume you and Absolutely. you will give in uh, and probably won't survive. I think it's a good way to show that they still have hope. Yes, when absolutely. they laugh because it, it, humor show I, I'm glad you said that because to in my mind humor shows that you still have hope. If he, once humor is gone, right, hope lives there no more. Because you see in certain situations throughout the series where they lose their humor, and then when they get somewhere, they kind of get it back a yeah. little bit. Yeah. It's like, oh, we have hope again, and I think it's a good device for telling that story. 
which is why I thought um, one of the other things that stood out to me is when Morgan turns to Michonne uh, and ask her if she took his energy bar. Right. Yeah. I could have sworn there was another peanut butter. That's right. Because uh, <laughs> that was funny. That was funny. That was funny. <laughs> I promise I did. <laughs> so the plan is working, and they're they're get the the wall that they built holds. The plan is working. Like oh, all's good. All is good. And then Carter fulfills Rick's prophecy. Like the world is going to handle him. He yeah. he's not built for this world and gets bit. And start screaming. Well, let's take a step back for oh, a did second. I scoop, they, they were did supposed I to do. Ahead? Well, no, I, I think it's important to point out. This kind of goes into the overall thing we've been talking about: is that nothing goes according to plan. Right. Is that they were supposed to do a dry run? Oh, and, and then the, the semi fell. And yeah, and and so it's like, whoa, we got to go now because the semi <laughs> new plan. The semi <laughs> fell on the road to Alexandria. They were trying to open the semis the other way. That's right. So they're like, oh, shit, we have to go now. Otherwise, this herd is going to go straight to where right. our people are. Pointed right at town. Right. Did you notice uh, or do you think it's interesting that the I, – I know that Alexandria is a real city. Yes. But it's also the name of, of another the, city. Yes. In Egypt. Yes. Right. And what happened to that city? It didn't. It didn't last. No, do I? I kind of think there's a parallel there. Well, and you look at the Alexandrian Empire, one of the biggest empires. That's my yes. They, in, in the history of the world, got too big to defend. That's right. Got too big. And borders it was too an, big. It was annexed by the Romans, I yes. think. Right. So it was built for Alexander the Great. Yeah. But and, who was the greatest conqueror in the history of the world? Absolutely. Well, that's that's not even a question. But but they had their go- They had their golden days there. Right. And when he died, the empire was too big to defend, and they didn't have that charismatic leader that Alexander was. So they had to go. Yeah. So I Reg is gone. Ex- exactly. So that I, I was. Thinking that you know that's a nice parallel. You know that's deliberate. Oh, it, it absolutely has to be the, deliberate. The, the writers aren't dummies. No, they're not. Of course not. But I just thought it was interesting. It's like, oh, well, hey, wait a minute. Oh, this is what's going to happen. The, right. the, so the foreshadowing of what's going to ultimately happen in Alexandria is in its its name. Yes. So you just have to look at history, and of right. course, we know history. Well, if you don't pay attention to history, you're gonna you're destined to repeat. A lot of people don't remember that history. But it's true. What's why but, we're here is to remind you. Is it why we're here? We're to remind you of the history you <laughs> learned in high school because you studied the Alexandrian Empire, I promise. I, you should have. If you did it, you probably, yeah, whatever. But but if you didn't remember, please don't feel bad because as my kids bring home homework, I am amazed <laughs> at the amount of shit that I have that you've forgotten. forgotten. Well, you don't use it every day. <laughs> like, you don't remember. Dad, I need help with this. I don't know why you're coming to me. <laughs> See, you can only put so much in your brain and you just yes. you just push all that out and put in the walking dead. Yeah. You've replaced it with useful knowledge. Walking dead. Fear the walking dead. Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> Maybe into the Badlands. Hopefully. God, next Sunday, dude. Ash versus Evil Dead. Yeah. The Expanse. The Expanse. We just How was that for foreshadowing? That was foreshadowing. So <laughs> Carter gets bit and Rick is like, I love it. I love it. He's like, uh, Carter got bit. I stopped him from yelling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so good. I was like, yeah. Such a badass. So you think it's going to work? 
Daryl just chilling on his bike. Abraham and Sasha in their car. Like, mur, 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 let's go. We got this. You know, those those motorcycles aren't designed to put around like that. That's Oh, no. He would he would have to be walking it. Yeah. Mur, it's mur, like, mur. really? I'm like, those walkers aren't going seven miles an hour. You're, <laughs> you're not at above idle speed. Oh. So you think they're going to make and it? And it's not nice to tease the, the walkers like that. I would be jacking they with them. they just hungry. I'd be jacking with them. I'd be, I would wait a little bit. <laughs> like, you know, they're like, right about to get you, just gun it. Right. Like they're trying to open the door. What? 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 Nope. What? Huh? I would hungry? totally do that. I mean, throw in some humor, right? Yeah, exactly. And so you fell off your bike and you'd be like, oh, shit. Son of a bitch. <laughs> well, that's what I get for being an ass. And then, uh. and then you hear this noise. This noise. Oh. You know, I think Glenn said it best. It's say? a horn or something. Right. Uh, thanks, Glenn. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Your years of training as a pizza Ooh. delivery guy yeah. have really paid off. Oh, that's so astute. Right. Wow. Your powers of perception are so finely honed. It's just ridiculous. It's a horn or something. Right. So, know. and they're like, where's it? Oh, it's coming from home. Episode end. Which was a great way to end the episode. That was that was a great, great way to end it. Um, we want to just jump right into, yeah, JSS. Yeah, well, we cool. won't say what that stands for yet. No, did you know what it stood for? Did you have a guess? Uh you know, I I don't know if I cared. Uh, I I was curious. I was hoping it was a Matthew McConaughey thing. I, I, and I don't know. In some what way. What would it be? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I just when JSS came up, I was like, that's got to be Matthew McConaughey. That's just the first thing that came to my mind. What, what J- JSS, though, what would? I don't know. Just stay just, shirtless. Just start sucking? Yeah, just stay shirtless. <laughs> just stay shirtless. <laughs> that was even better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Enid. Good old Enid. I, I'm we never, don't know a lot about her. I've never been a big really fan of her, of her character. I didn't see the point of her character. Okay. And I saw the foreshadowing in the trailer for this season. Like, oh, she may have a bigger role. Or maybe they're just trying to make us think that she does based mm-hmm. off the trailer. So whatever. We'll see some things. But her little backstory that they told super quick, hint, hint, Morgan, um, mm-hmm. could was, that was pretty stark. Messed up. It was messed up. It was pretty stark. And I would... Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that that cold sequence to open JSS is probably one of the better shot and edited pieces in all the Walking Dead I agree. series. Oh, I, I agree strongly. I Just the it. way that it communicated what needed to be communicated and didn't waste any time and the editing, I, I was I, I, almost perfect. Yeah, I was really impressed. They've done such a – you can tell like when you go back and watch season one versus season six. They've learned some stuff. They, they've learned some stuff and they've learned the way to shoot the series and how to tell yeah. the story. Mm-hmm. But you know, it starts off with her, mom and dad, there's walkers coming in. And they're, I don't know if they're reading a manual or something, trying to hotwire the car. and Not for long. <laughs> and so the walkers are coming from far away and then they're right there. And then they're right there. But somehow Enid survives. And then she – no, no, nobody knows. And then it, she goes crazy, you know, walking well, around. You, yeah. I mean, Probably. I think that's. I mean, it did a what great job of explaining the why she is the way she is. Mid teens, if that, you yeah. know, yeah. I mean, she's maybe fourteen, fifteen. Fourteen, yeah. I'd say about fourteen. Yeah, 15. And, and so yeah, she she murders a turtle. Yeah. <laughs> 
doesn't take yeah. doesn't take the time to cook it. Like whatever, I'm just gonna blah, put that blood in my mouth because it's warm. That, that's pretty much. It's it's almost like she conked it on the head, and then let me just wring it out like a towel. Let me right. just wring this blood out like a towel in right. my mouth. I don't know. It was weird because I'm like, how it's like. It was like a turtle cereal box. She was like dipping her hand in there and pulling you know, meat tur- out. I don't know. It was weird. I agree with you that it was weird. It was and a she, little weird. She just, she's like, it's like she pried it open and just, yeah. I guess she didn't have, maybe she didn't know how to start a fire. Or maybe she didn't, I mean, she, maybe she, probably, she didn't want to start a fire. Like because not. of the walkers. Ooh, that would bring them, yeah, a, a track. Could. So, and then she used the bones. She did. JSS. Just, yeah. And she's been writing JSS mm-hmm. in the ground. I want to point one thing out to you, and I'm sure she didn't know this, and I'm thinking you probably don't care because you have to eat. But turtles are 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 highly are, are big carriers of salmonella, yeah, and the think- likelihood of getting <laughs> salmonella poisoning from eating a raw turtle is actually probably close to 100. percent Well, I'm I'm pretty sure she didn't care. No, you got to roll the dice, right? You got to yeah. roll the dice. And turtle is delightful. I don't know if you've ever had turtle soup. Turtle is soup. so good. Oh, yeah. In the shell? Mm. Never had it in the shell. Really? No. You should. Huh. It's it's an experience. Maybe the place I went to wasn't authentic. I'm sure it was. If, you, if you're having turtle soup at all, it's got to be authentic. <laughs> it's a different breed of person if they're going to make you some turtle soup. All right. So Enid... And I we'll get to the rumors and the theories yes, later yes, about her. But it's in the notes. When she shows up at Alexandria, she walks away, and then she's like, "Oh God, okay, I'll go in." And yeah, it was a little weird. It was a little weird, and some people say it's foreshadowing. But the fact that she was like, "I don't know if I want to go in there" because she could hear people and hear things going on. It's very clear what's behind that door. She's like, ah, "I'd rather be by myself," but okay, I'll go in there. Great opening scene. Yeah. Had very little to do with the episode, but was a great opening scene. Well, you know, I think we don't really, while we're watching these things, understand where it fits in the story. Right. Uh, and that that's something that I'm actually enjoying this, this uh, year. I feel like maybe the writers and the producers, showrunner, uh, is taking some chances and not going down the typical path of what you might expect for a show that's six seasons in that has a tremendous, uh, tremendous following, tremendous following and not back catalog, but a, a, a backstory backstory mm-hmm. that's still going in the comic books. And I know there's a lot of people, um, people that we even know personally that yeah. are, are, don't enjoy the series because it's so different from the, the comics. comics. And I get that, and I respect that. Sure, absolutely. And I don't disagree with them uh, that the comic is actually better. Well, it, it would, be- but it's a different story, different medium, and I can separate the two and watch the show for what it is and how they're trying to tell the story in the the visual television medium. Doesn't mean that they couldn't make it better, obviously, right. but. I'm not disliking the choices that they make so far. Um, I think TV has proven that if you're going to take a, a literature based backstory and move it to TV, you have to change it. It's unlike movies like the Harry Potter movies, mm-hmm. any, any movie that's based off a book, they usually stay pretty true. But when you go to TV and it's a long form story, sometimes you have to change some things for it to be successful. Well, this like, is maybe like a 
maybe a little off the beaten path, but something that just came to mind is when you film anything that's based on the works of Shakespeare, you have to do some deviations. Absolutely, right? you do. Um, because you can't you can't do word for word, shot for shot. No matter how Nobody, much people want you to. No, and and I would watch that, but the general public wouldn't care. Right. And so there, to me, there's this argument that probably needs to be made that if you change it up a little bit to make it have a little bit more broader appeal, right. is it worth doing that to educate the public of the source material? Right. And I was, I actually, <clears throat> I think I wrote a paper in college about how uh, it was at the time when the Mel Gibson, uh, Mel Gibson version of Hamlet came out. And so I was trying to make the argument. Oh, God, that, I remember that. Yeah. But I was trying to, yeah. I am not saying it's great. I'm not saying it's good, but I was trying to make the argument that if, if at the time Mel Gibson was, uh, hadn't said anything crazy. And was so he was, he, he was respectable and, yeah. and was at the height of his popularity. Um, you know, if he can draw people in to see that, my hope then is that people get amped up about Shakespeare and want to go back and learn right. more about the source material. And so I say the same about the walking dead. Uh, if you have to make some tweaks and changes creatively, I'm willing to overlook that and accept that in hopes that can you get more people into a comic book shop to buy the comic, the comic and see other things and see other things in other stories that you're going to like. And so that's kind of sure. kind of the way I look at it. Uh, and, and I hope that that happens because I want people to read the source material because it is, you can still say it's vastly superior because it is. It is. It is. There, there's no. I like some. I mean, I'll be honest. Some of the characters in the show, I like their show version better than the book. Version. Really? Okay. Yeah. But it's. But I think the book overall is a much better story. Absolutely. And I think it does a better job of examining the psychology. Yes. Behind the situation than than the show, which the show couldn't do because nobody would watch it if it was just about the mindset and the decisions that you have to make. And there was not all this action and having to kill walkers and enemies and shit like that. And for all you gore hounds, go pick up the book. Yeah. You want gore? You think there's three compendiums out now. You can get the first 120 comics in three books. Uh, actually, I think it's is 120 or 140. It was whatever it is. I think it's 140 it, some odd. It might be. But the first three compendiums that you can catch pretty much all the yes. way up. Yeah. For, what is it, 30, for like 90 bucks. 90 you can, bucks. You can get 140 some odd issues of the comic and get, right. get caught up on it. And I would say, do it. Do it. Absolutely. Do it. Yeah. Christmas is coming up. Give yourself a gift early. Yeah. If you if you get the first one, I promise you get the second and third. All right. So sorry about that. I'll get off my soapbox. Okay. But we appreciate just that. to make that point. People should read more. Absolutely. So my favorite scene in this episode is when Carol's in like the grocery store and she's pretending <laughs> to be this housewife. I love like, Carol. I'm like, this, is, a, so awesome. this is the greatest acting job I've ever seen in my life. You're pretending that you're normal when you are batshit crazy, <laughs> you know. And she's like, "Oh, I, I figured I'd I'd take some things that nobody likes and see if I can make them interesting, and I'll put a little paprika in it to mask the taste, and I'll use these soba noodles that nobody knows how to cook." And I'm just like, <laughs> and then she starts talking shit about her neighbors. Being, she was real catty. 
And she I, was. I'm oh. not a. I'm not a female, but I've seen females be catty, mm. and that was totally how they are. Like you can totally come over and I'll show you how to cook since you don't know how to do it. As long as you don't smoke in my house because it's disgusting and it'll get you killed, bitch. Which oddly enough, it did, didn't it? It did. Mm. Now smoking is the her, the reason for her demise. Did that? I can't remember that lady's name. Was it Diana? I don't care. No, not Diana. Who knows? Uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, did that scene catch you off guard when Carol puts the casserole into the oven sets and the she timer. sets the timer and she goes and looks out the window and she sees this lady she was talking to earlier about smoking, starting to light one up and then wham. Yeah. Because <laughs> even knowing what was coming, cause I like it. It's impossible. Like I hadn't watched the episode yet, but with Twitter, you know, what's coming, you know, oh, what's yeah. going to happen took me totally off guard and i was like yes <laughs> thank you now i'm ready for this to go machete in the good right and carol immediately gets down to business she's like okay oh gosh cool. oh we got people here hacking up i got this <laughs> so the the threat of the wolves started in season five five just like with the, morgan right yeah um and now they're attacking alexandria while the badass people are off messing with the, the horde. Right. And it was good on Rick to leave at least Carol behind. Good thing. Yeah. Good thing. Cause she was, he, he knows how legit badass she is because he remember in season four, it's like these two people are sick. I'm going to fucking kill them so that they don't hurt us. And then Rick asked, did you kill him? Yep. I'm good. I did. <laughs> I killed him. Yeah. Whatever. Woo. I took care of it. Yeah. I, I'm trying to protect our people. So he knows that Carol will do whatever it takes to protect people. And she's not afraid of killing other humans that are not walkers. Well, I love the fact that she even disguised herself as a wolf. Genius. Absolute genius. And just shows you even more about her mind being able to attack that, take that tactical approach. Her of- transformation is by far the biggest oh, absolutely. throughout the because you remember her from season one she's being abused by her husband oh yeah, yeah you're trying not to, a, nope no 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 not anymore if he was alive today whoo, he would have a different thing coming to him for sure so and i also liked the i'm gonna use our word dichotomy <laughs> between morgan and carol yes that was that was good in this episode there was like because the, rick sent him back he to, did to to let uh the town know what was going on. Right. And so there's that one scene where Morgan is zip tying a dude up and Carol just walks a pop right in the head. Didn't even ask questions. No, didn't say nothing. nothing just boop. And no. then handed Morgan a gun and handed the uh, father, whatever his name is. I can't think of it right now. A gun. Uh, Gabriel. Did, yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, yeah. But Morgan, I, I don't know. I kind of feel like that's going to come to a head somewhere in the future. Uh, Morgan's, uh, I, I don't know, passive, passive, pacifistic way. His, yeah. Is that, he's not really, I mean, he is kind of a, he's not really a pacifist. He's not really a pacifist. Um, because he's, just, he's not afraid to take action. He's it's just, just peaceful now. Right. The very Zen. Yeah. We'll call him a Jedi. We'll, we'll, yes. Jedi we'll Morgan. save any more of discussion Til- for episode four. Right. Because uh, I was I was almost going to jump right That's into totally that. Okay, um, but yeah. So 
I don't know, those wolves are just vicious. They they were dismembering the people. After I'm trying they to figure them. out why. And I'm, I mean, I have a theory. Let's do it. My, my theory is that the wolves are a combination of the scavengers and the survivors from the comic books. Hmm. And the survivors use walkers as weapons kind of so if you right. take off their, right. if you take off their legs and their arms they are easily controllable mm-hmm. i mean they'll still bite people and you can still use them like if you throw them at someone or put, lock someone in a, they still be able to move a little bit just not at a at a pace that's terrifying so you're able to control them so i'm assuming that that's what they're doing well kind of like michonne had the ones on the leash with no jaw arm, no jaw and then i think some no arms as right. Well, right and and Andrea did that when she came back to the prison. She mm-hmm. caught one, broke its jaw off, and its arm so that she could get back. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that's what it, I think. I'm assuming that the wolves are kind of a combination because it would be weird to have. I don't think they have the time to do the survivor, uh, the scavengers, and the saviors both. So mm-hmm. I think they're trying to combine kind of them combine them into the wolves. Well, they have an interesting kind of mentality. They're just coming. I mean, to me, that was a very coordinated effort, and it they was. seem to be very deliberate. Uh, in what they're trying to accomplish. And you can't just have a ragtag group, group of people that all just, you know, decide, Hey, we're going to go attack this town without some sort of strong leadership. There's leadership in order somewhere for sure. Yeah. Has to be, mm-hmm. has to be. So they, they, they're coordinating their attacks and I, I don't know. I, the, I didn't, I didn't understand the viciousness based off their mantra because their mantra is that, it's not our world. It's the walker's world, and we're trying to remove people from it. So if you're going to make someone a walker, that's cool, but it's still like they're trying to control the walkers that they make. So I'm, it feels a little like I'm not sure where they're going with that, and I'm hoping that they reveal why they're doing that later because it seems unnecessary to brutalize these people for no reason. Yeah, there, should, I, there has to be a reason. Something, yeah, something's coming. Because there's easier easier ways to show your brutality. Yeah. You could just brutalize someone when you murder them. You don't yeah. have to dismember them. And it's interesting because, you know, Carol's just blasting everybody, but Morgan chased him off because right. he asked him to leave, right? And so did, did those make it out? Yeah, some of them mm-hmm. ran off. And so it's like, okay, well... One of them got a gun. One of them picked up a gun. Yeah. Which was a big part of the episode to where Carol was like, they don't have guns. If they had guns, they'd be using them. That's why they're here. They're here to get our guns. So we need to get to the army before they do. That's right. That's right. And, you know, the Alexandrians, again, noobs, they don't know how to fight. Uh, Rick and what's her name, uh, had a, a moment. Jesse. Jesse. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're going to learn, you know, she wants to learn how to use a gun learn how to fight that sort of thing. Right. Uh, but they don't, they don't know how to fight. And this is a problem. Uh, yeah. Cause know. Jesse even gets called into action and she loses it. At first. She does. Like she gets the gun knocked out of her hand because you, she doesn't know how to use it. Do you think it was interesting that she got a little scissor action on the attacker? I mean, it was, you know. I, I appreciated the scissoring. <laughs> I'm always a fan of scissoring. Uh, so. But she had taken um, uh, Sam upstairs. They got locked into. They locked themselves into the closet, mm-hmm. and there was someone in the house. And she thought Ron was coming back in. And I thought that was interesting. Uh, you know she she changed her she changed her tune. She because she knew that her son was in danger. Right. Um, and Ron's old enough to where, I mean, you don't you don't want to pick. But no, 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 of no. the two, Ron's the one who could maybe defend himself. Maybe. But, I yeah. mean, not because right. he has no training and he wears a gay hat. But I mean, <laughs> I'm 
just kidding. I would wear a hat like that if I could afford one. But um, are they expensive? I'm just making that up. That's just a <laughs> random comment from nowhere. What other scenes stood out in this episode? The car- the Carl, Coral, and Edith scene. Oh, we're 43 minutes in and we hadn't even said anything about Coral, Coral. yet. <laughs> Coral. Um, Who needs a damn haircut. Oh, he's looking ridiculous. Do they... I realize they killed the only doctor in town. But, I mean, Jesse but, was going to cut Ron's hair so that they could talk. So, yeah. Haircutting exists. She, she, someone has the ability. They have, I, I they, they have, have scissors. She has scissors. Exactly. We know they have scissors. <laughs> exactly. There are scissors. So, there were some things that Enid let slip, which has led to a lot of wild speculation. You know, Carl's like, don't say bye. And he, she said, I won't. And she's like, this place is too big to defend. That's how we, because she said, that's how we, and then stop yeah, herself. Yeah, and then stop. Mm. That's how we, what? what you, who is we? What you mean by we? Who is we? You got a mouse because in your she, pocket? No, because she could say, that's how we die, or well, that's how we are going to get killed. Well, she also, uh, what I thought was interesting is that she made a point to, to uh, point out that the the town was too spread out uh, and couldn't be defended defended properly. Well, defended properly. It's like, okay, you're in your mid teens. How do you make this? How do you make this? Uh, how do you come to this conclusion? And see, and I don't on know, your own, I don't know if that's true because hmm. in season two and three, Woodbury, that town had to be as big. I mean, I'm not sure if it was, but it seemed like it was a pretty large town and they had it adequately defended especially from, from Walker attacks, but it, it would be hard to defend anything of size from a human, a coordinated human attack. Well, I think that was part of the hubris. Yeah, that's true. Is that let's put up a wall because we're going to keep out the threat of, of walkers. Of walkers. And you're not even thinking about what about other people? Right. Whoops. <laughs> we're going to deal with the, the threat that we can see and not plan for the threat that yeah. is probably Be- the more dangerous. Exactly. Threat. Because walkers aren't cunning. No. They're just mindless. They're just a force. Yeah. And they just go. And if they're one at a time, they're easy to yeah. deal with. Exactly. Humans stalk. Yes. Humans hide. Humans plan. They plan. Coordinate. Exactly. And the wolves have been out in it. Unlike the Alexandrians, so they have an advantage. Absolutely. Even though they don't have guns, they have an advantage because they have that killer-be-killed mentality. Boy, do they. And they're not afraid. Which is just weird to think about. It's like, where do you have to be to be able to take out – it's like you live in this world where clearly everything has fallen. Yes. But you're going to go kill other human beings – I guess you're it's I guess it's a level of selfishness that I can't quite understand. Right. Uh you know, I think this feeds into your theory about what they may represent. You know, they're gonna take their supplies and all that stuff because it's it's about us surviving and our little bubble of people, right. not humanity as a whole. Well, and I think every most of the surviving groups have that. It's our group versus every other group. Yeah, that's just weird, you know. Because it's rare that you see people accept someone into their group. So when they do and the group gets bigger, it's usually out of necessity. Like Alexander is like, yeah. we need people who've been out in this to help us because we have no idea. But isn't that what we do? Isn't that what we do today? Yeah. In our regular lives? We you, we don't want to let 
people in and we only if they it. serve a purpose only if they serve a purpose yeah you're not part of my little clique you're not part of my little group you're not part of this little bubble that i've created that i feel safe in mm-hmm. and these friends whether they're real or fake or whatever that i've created around myself right uh you don't belong in this and so i I, don't, I, don't, I care less about you and if anything happens to you so what I don't. I mean, care less might might be. I'm just. I'm harsh. maybe going a little overboard sure. to kind of illustrate a point. But I'm. I get what you're saying. Like you have everybody has their group, and I mean, people are like there shouldn't be cliques, but cliques exist. Oh, there shouldn't be. No, but I mean, <laughs> but there are. But there, I mean, we, I think humans are kind of the pack mentality. We don't want to be alone, and we want to be around like-minded people that we think are going to be of value to us. And I don't. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. But I'm saying that that's pretty much how people yeah. live their lives. Like, yeah. if you if you're not going to serve any purpose in my life, I don't have the time to invest in you. Yeah, and I'm not. I don't think that's the right attitude. No, no, absolutely not. But it is what it is. Yeah, which I hate that phrase because <laughs> it's a very defeatist attitude. But it it's true. It no, is it, what it it's is. realistic. Yeah, it's like, realistic. Like I only have so much time in the day. So what can I do? Yeah. And so far, I think in these four episodes, we've gotten kind of a, a, a picture of that mentality and then trying to move away yes. from that mentality, trying, trying mm-hmm. to treat people as, as people and trying to elevate people to the most important part right. of life. Even the only thing that matters in life is other people. And we're going to, yes. we're going to get into that conversation yeah. here shortly. I'm just, it's interesting to see how we've kind of seen that illustrated kind of like an underlining, mm-hmm. uh, a thread, uh, that's been woven in these episodes. Yeah. That I think is the overall picture and story of walking dead in general. Right. Uh, that all human life is precious. Yeah. And so anything else about JSS? Yeah. Well, Oh, Enid leaves even, the note. Yes, we hadn't even got. To, <laughs> my bad. Enid, <laughs> Enid shows up, and uh, what does JSS stand for? It doesn't stay for stand for just stay shirtless. Sadly, just survive somehow. Somehow, which again I think ties into what we were just talking about. Yeah, just survive somehow, because you can take that in a positive and apply it in a good and positive way, mm-hmm. or you can take it as a and apply it in a very negative way. It could be, yeah, because it can be a very hopeful phrase. It mm-hmm. could, if you took it that way, like I, all I got to do is just survive for now, just survive. Somehow, keep surviving, and eventually, help will come. Or it can be very defeatist. Defeatist, like the world's at an end. I've got to keep going and just survive, however I can, until until I can't anymore. Or I'm going to step on however many people I need to step on and slit however many throats right. I need to slit to get mine and keep going. Damn the consequences. That's right. I'm going to do just what survive I need. somehow. Right. Damn it. Damn it. Uh, so depending on what I think your worldview is, uh, that changes how the application of that statement uh, sure. is. Uh, Take it, uh, good episode in, uh, i enjoyed yeah. the episode probably uh, one of the better ones so far yeah i'm not sure i think this is probably my favorite episode of yeah. the first four okay because uh, with the enid and carol and the fat and the carol and morgan interaction oh yeah so i did um a twitter poll oh you did didn't you i did uh earlier today and asked the question of whether or not enid 
was a teen wolf. <laughs> clever. <laughs> I thought it was. How clever are you? Uh, and I think the final result after 32 votes. Which is the biggest poll we've ever is, had. Thank you for everyone who voted. Uh, I, I appreciate you participating in my large poll. Um, <laughs> Thank you for appreciating my large poll. Yes. I think about 63 or 64% of Basically uh, people, two one. Yeah. Came back and said that, yes, absolutely. She is one of the wolves. And what uh, do you think? You know, I, I think the arrow points that way. Yeah. But why, why did she just leave? I don't think she is. I think she's been there too long. I mean, she may have spent some time with the wolves, but I don't think she's an actual wolf. I, I, I think, don't think she's helping them. I think if anything, if she is, she's conflicted. Sure. You Which know? is not a normal mindset for the wolves. They are no, they're very sold out to their cause. They did. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, they, I don't think she is. I think that, I think they're, she, they're teasing at it to make you think she is, but I right. don't think she is. It's one of them red herrings. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know if I want to talk about this episode. I don't know if I do either. Thank, I mean, thank you. Fuck you. That's no, what that's what no. it should be called. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it should be called. Open letter to all the Walking Dead fans. Right. Fuck you. The right. end. Exactly. <laughs> um. So last episode was Alexandria. This is the group leading the walkers trying to get back to Alexandria at the same time. Right. Mm. It's t- tense. This whole episode was tense. The whole, like you felt this tension because you had watched the last episode. So you knew what was happening. And so you feel this overarching tension of they've got to get back and you, help because they are in trouble. Get back. It's like I. I want to reach in and tap him on the shoulder and say, y- y- "Leave that. Go get back. You, you people are getting murdered. Right? These <laughs> two sacrificing two versus two hundred is a better deal. That's the right. needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few." To quote Spock, that's mm. all I'm saying. I'm glad you worked that in. We could always quote <laughs> Spock. What about this episode? I'm just going to ask it. Yeah. What scene in particular? <laughs> Left an impression on you. Well, there's, there's there's a major character death in this uh, in this this episode that that kind of leaves an impression on you. I I've, I think people are well aware. Did I jump ahead too far? No, absolutely not. Um, it's been a couple of weeks. They haven't happened. killed. They haven't killed a season one survivor since Andrea. Since season two, Andrea, right? Season three or season three. she died oh, okay. at the end of season three. That's right. Milton, Milton Bitter. And so she died, but that's the last time they killed a season one survivor. And I, Glenn was the last one I thought would go. Honestly, I thought for sure. I thought anybody would go before I, 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 I've told you before, I don't think Daryl will ever die. I think he'll be the last survivor. And I think that's the show creator, but I thought Rick Mm. would go. I thought Carl would go even Carol. But I think we, I, I think they've they've come out and, Flat out said that Carol's the only one that's safe. Right. I thought for sure that they would not kill another season one. Mm. I'm like, we've reached our core group. These people are going to make it to the end. So it was shocking to me. Whatever that is. And the way he did it, I was like, 
Glenn, you've been out in this before. It's like you've forgotten everything you've learned along the he's way. He's smarter than that. He is. He's much smarter. And I don't know why he's putting his face, his faith in Nicholas. Like Nicholas has proven that he's a coward, that he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know how to act under pressure. Why on earth would you take any direction from him? It just was really aggravating. He kept putting control into his hands. He did. Deliberately. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if he was trying to give him a chance to redeem himself, which, Clearly. Is, which is foolish. Now it's not the time. Well, noble. And maybe... Nobility isn't always the best course. Oh, no, no, no. no. Nobility gets you killed. Yes. You see what it did for Ned Stark. Exactly. <laughs> so. <His head. laughs> <laughs> Sir Ellen, bring me his head. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, maybe in a, a more controlled situation. Uh, Not with the biggest some, hurt in the history of the show. Give him some responsibilities to kind of prove his worth. You know, right. small tasks. Sure. That are in controlled experiments. Show me that you can dig a ditch. That's Fill up that hole with that right. same dirt. Absolutely. I mean, it was frustrating and it was it was shocking. I mean, I knew it was coming because, like, like we'd said before, twi- Twitter. Uh, we need to get off Twitter if we don't want to get spoilers Absolutely. or watch it live or get that app that keeps spoilers from being in our uh, Twitter stream right. or whatever. But it just seemed it seemed unnecessary. It seemed. I mean, I didn't get the storytelling. It was unceremonious. I think yeah. and it felt like. Uh, a bitch way to die for a character that deserves a more noble, a more, uh, badass, badass going down swinging, uh, type of moment that resonates. He died for, for the cause. Right. And his, he was going, doing something. He was going to distract the herd and he was risking his life understandable but he wasn't able to complete that task and he got basically led down a dark alley that was a dead end and trapped on a dumpster you know like you're in an island you're on this little dumpster island barbed wire this way a fence too far to jump over this way and a building too far to reach the other way like really glenn this is what you're gonna do this doesn't make sense right and i think because it doesn't make sense i think this is just a colossal uh, red herring. I think this is a colossal. Uh, so you don't think he's dead? Misdirection. I I don't. I I I don't. I mean, if he is, then I, I think that I, I don't know. I, I I would struggle with the point they're trying to make, and maybe that will come to light. I think they. I think. If this is legitimate, mm-hmm. then they need to do a little bit more explaining as to why. why. Right. Uh, I think because I was on the talking dead afterwards, Damon, normally if a character dies, did you watch the talking dead? Who hosts that show? My favorite, my favorite <laughs> podcaster in the world. Hosts I'm that show. shocked. But normally if a major character dies, they have them on the talking dead. Yeah, Glenn wasn't, wasn't there. on there. Also, and Damon Lindelof, they didn't acknowledge. They didn't acknowledge that he was uh, basically. Yeah, go ahead. He made he made the best point I think anybody's made, and it's really forgotten. If Glenn is not dead, it would be very outside of anything The Walking Dead has ever done before. 
hmm. because they've they've never teased at someone being dead that wasn't actually dead. And it's not something that the producers have ever done. So he he thinks Glenn's actually dead. I don't. I think they're trying to do something new. And I think they're, they're, they've never done that before. And I think it's a good storytelling device. And it's building tension for the season because everybody loves Glenn. There's nobody in the world who's like, I hate Glenn. Glenn's my least favorite character. It's just not a fact. No, absolutely not. I mean, you know, there is a certain amount of brilliance in the way that it was shot. Yes. Either way you go, because at no point do you actually see him have any part of his person dismantled. No. And so you see uh, intestines. Yes. But those are those his? Doesn't look I don't like think it. so. Because Just the angles aren't right. Because Nicholas had killed himself. And, and as he he's fell falling, on top of him, he yeah. falls on top of Glenn and which is still Glenn, let him go, let him go. And that distraction will be enough for you to get away, but maybe he's going to use it to get away. You know, I think I need to rewatch it, but mm-hmm. I was, I was kind of thinking back on did actually, is there a snafu there? Because did Nicholas actually have any rounds left to shoot himself with? Because there, there. If I remember correctly, there's, they, there was some click, click going on, and I'm trying to. I, I was trying to reconcile. I didn't have a chance to go back and look yet, but it's like, well, wait a minute. Somebody ran out of ammo. Right. If it was Nick, oops. How did, how did he shoot him? <laughs> how did he shoot him? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I didn't look at it closely enough, but that's possible. Um, be a continuity but, thing. The, yeah, but that actually has no. That that's just doesn't have any bearing on the whole Glenn thing, right. but you know, I, it doesn't, it's not going to bother me like it would some folks if he actually is dead. No, but I think the way that they shot it, they've absolutely set it up to where he can, we can explain why he it's would have survived dead. that, yeah. but how he could have survived that. I don't know. Right. Um, it, would, it would, it would have to be under the dumpster under the dumps, and there's a a manhole right or there something to go into the sewer system or, that Aaron had used, be, because the the, the dumpster is not that big. I don't think he could survive under it without some means of escape underneath it. Oh yeah, because unless someone the could reach unless him. someone came up and rescued him, uh, quickly after he was un, underneath right. it, and I'm not even sure how that would be feasible. Yeah, nobody would fight through that crowd. No, to see what was at the end. That's just what no, happened. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So there, ha- it, it, slipping through a manhole into the sewer is really the only logical thing at this point. But that would be the tallest dumpster in the history of dumpsters, because normally dumpsters are you know like six inches off the ground, not two feet. True. So we'll well, he's see. He's a little guy. Yeah. So <laughs> I, it wouldn't work for me. No, I wouldn't fit under a dumpster. <laughs> we'll see what happens. And then also, Rick uh, cut his hand. Oh, which I'm hoping people are all a Twitter about this as well. Well, I mean, are you hoping he loses the hand? Absolutely. I am <laughs> I absolutely, because I'm used to seeing Rick with one hand and without a hand, I think it makes it more human and it makes his struggle more real. Mm. Like he, he hasn't been wounded or really hurt. Like he's lost his wife, blah, whatever. She was cheating on him anyway. So it's cool, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, note to self. Bygones be bygones. <laughs> but I, I, I miss the character from the comic. And I know they're different mediums. I get it. But I feel like there's certain storytelling tools that they use in the comic that are very easily brought over to the show. And Rick not having his shooting hand would make it much harder for him to survive in this world. It would. It would also be cost prohibitive. Yes. Because they would have to CGI it out all the time. That's true. Right? Or he could just wear a really long shirt and just play, play some practical <laughs> shooting hold, tricks. Hold a, hold a hook at the end. That's right. A hook would be badass because then he could go and tap people in the brain. Oh, he should get like a friggin' hook. Like a scythe. and just oh. Oh. Maybe he could just do like Ash. There it is. Put a chainsaw in that <laughs> some bitch. Right. And Daryl Dixon <laughs> never heard of her. <laughs> yes. Um, so I like that. And then the the wolves that Morgan let go and got a gun, they come back in this episode. Mm. Bitches. Yeah. They try to jump Rick in his RV and Rick handles his business. But that's a pretty tense scene. It was a tense scene. And then when he shoots through the side of the RV, he's like, oh, I see these guys. Rat a tat tat. But then they left with another cliffhanger because then the RV won't start. He's made all this noise and you can see the herd coming for the RV. You're like, oh, Rick is dead. So Glenn's going to die. Glenn's dead. And now Rick is next. There was a couple, uh, there was a couple of scenes in this, I think that kind of resonated with me is, um, Heath kind of yes. turning that corner. Uh, if we go back to the first episode, he had overheard Rick telling Glenn and Michonne, Hey, and some of them are going to make it back. They're not going to make it back. Just leave them. And he's just you telling get the truth. Back. He's just telling the truth. Yeah. You guys got to go. Just go. Yeah. Just leave them. And so Heath didn't really take kind of that. And I, I understand. I understand. But Rick's just speaking truth. He's just, he's just like, I, no, I need you guys to get back. Just leave them. They're going to be dead weight. And Michonne defended him. She was like, he said it because he had to. That's right. It had to be said. That's right. And she had a moment with Heath in this episode. Basically, bitch, you don't know. You don't know. You You guys not lived it. You've not had to make these choices. You don't know. Shut your damn mouth. You haven't been in the thick of it. You haven't had to whack somebody. You haven't had to then afterwards look yourself and see yourself covered in blood knowing is this mine? Is this my friends or what? Right. It could be Walker, but could be. I have no idea what's on me. And, and so he, he, Learn. He actually, all the things that she had just talked to him about in that moment come true later in the episode. Right. And he's covered in blood. He has to look at himself in the mirror and, and, and make, and he also, he has to leave someone behind because he said, we have to go. We, we got to go. Choice. We got to go. We have a choice. We got to go. And, and I love that because that's, you know, that's how real life works. You don't know until you know. You don't know until you know. And that's a point I, I, I I've had to make a lot. To some folks lately is, they they look at you and go, oh that yeah I understand. No no you don't. Right. No you don't. No no really no I understand. Have you experienced X Y Z? Well no I haven't experienced. Right. Then you don't yeah. know and you won't know until you, until you experience right. right. And so don't don't just think that well I've got a little bit of life on me. I've got this. You know, 
I understand. No, you don't. You don't understand. And don't pretend to understand. Don't try to tell people that you understand what they're going through. Right. If you've not experienced it yourself. Right. So. Uh, one of the most offensive phrases anybody says, I know how you're feeling. No, you don't. But you don't. <laughs> you like, don't. I mean, and you can't. Uh, some people possibly. do. And I. Some people do, and those people... In st- but those, those people are the ones that are smart enough not to fucking say, I know how right. you feel. Right. I'm, I never <laughs> say that anymore. I, after having lived enough life, I'm, I never say, I know how you feel. I'm like... Because well, you don't have to. No, you could just say... A look. Yeah, you, you can a say a look. look. Or if you have That's to it. say something, you can just say, I'm sorry that you're dealing with what you're dealing with. You don't have to say... I, empathy is, is good enough. Like, yeah. I'm sorry that That's you're right. going through this. Yeah. That's not, right. You don't need to relate to me. Yeah. Just let me sit in my shit for a little bit and just know that you're there and that you care. You don't have to try to make this moment about you. Right. And let everybody know that you understand. Right. Yeah, yeah. You. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to be a topper right now. That's okay. Right. That's you right. don't have to be the power top all the time. Sometimes you can be the bottom. All right. But I mean, that's about all that was in this episode is them, oh, them trying to get back. One last thing. Sure. The the one Alexandrian that got bit, uh, and he was like, "I just want to make it home so I can to, see my wife." See my wife. Uh, nice. That was a nice little uh, heart wrenching, nice little arc. But the thing I had a problem with is when he didn't make it over the fence, and Heath and Michonne watch him get eaten, stab him in the head. Why the hell did they not put him out of his misery? I had a little bit of a problem with that. It's like really. This should be standard operating procedure at this point. Yes. Pop. Put them out of their misery. Pop. Because that guy, because he's, I mean. He didn't deserve to go out like that. No, he didn't. He didn't. He'd already been bitten and he knew he was going to die. So he's yeah. like, and then he said, he's like, I know what this means. It's cool. I liked when Michonne, yeah. when, when he looked. Really? He had Michonne look at it. Yeah, that's fine. And Michonne was like, he was like, how does it look? He's like, I'm about like you would expect. It just made me laugh. I was like, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I mean, great episode. I mean, uh, this episode was good too. It built a lot of tension and it's been a while since they've had a true running from walkers episode. Yeah. A lot of the threats lately have been other humans. So now is the fact that the threat truly is the walkers right now is a nice change, which I like, like, cause you forget, like in the comic, they're kind of in the background, like, yeah, this is just part of the scenery. We deal with them when we have to deal with them. And every now and then in the comic, when it's a horde of walkers that you have to deal with, it's a reminder like, Oh wait, I live in a world where shit can kill me, which I think they needed to be reminded of that. And Alexandrians in particular need to be reminded of what they live in. So speaking of being reminded of what the world we're living in. Yeah. Here's not here. Yeah. Which is not a reminder of the world that we live in. No. And it is not a response to what happened to Glenn. And they did that on purpose. And I think they had to. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I think that they're going to maybe draw this out a little bit longer. Uh, and let us think, questioning. Yeah. They're going to leave, let us leave us hanging a little bit. You know what? That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. You don't need to have everything resolved right the now. The best storytellers are the ones that manipulate your emotions. Yes. And the fact that people are upset and want to know and call bullshit on this episode in particular tells me that the showrunners are doing their job. Yeah. Okay. They've got you. So here's not here. 
Another 90 minute episode. Yeah. Technically not 90 minutes, right? It felt like 90 minutes. Uh, did it? Yeah. Was it too long? It was. By about how, how much? About 30 minutes. Uh, you think they could have done it all in an hour? Easily. I think they could have trimmed maybe about 10, 15 minutes. I didn't mind it. I didn't mind the length. It maybe meandered a little bit at the beginning. Sure. Uh, showing Morgan doing all the clearing. Right. Um, but I didn't mind it. Uh, because it was a good the, reminder the of the how crazy was, he'd gone. Oh, batshit crazy. Yeah. But I think I didn't mind it because the acting was stellar. I think he's the best actor in the show. I think you're right. I mean, Lenny yeah. James is awesome. Lenny, I, I've never seen Lenny James in anything I don't enjoy. So, I mean, cause we can sum up the episode really quick. Yeah. Let's do it. Like Morgan's gone crazy. He's clearing things because he thinks his only job is to clear. That's why I'm That's here. That's it. Is to clear. Clear. And he burns the bodies and then moves on to the next area and marks it clear when it's clear. Gets captured by this guy. He sees a goat in a cabin. He's like, and the guy in the cabin's like, hey, could you just leave the goat? Because I'm trying to make some cheese. Uh, so if you could leave her, I still need her. Cheese. Cheese. I like Havarti. <laughs> <laughs> So he gets captured and couldn't a, resist. I couldn't resist. I just had to. And so he gets captured, put in a cell and you find out this guy Eastman is the one who captured him. Um, and Eastman and Morgan kind of become friends and Eastman teaches him Aikido. Good old Aikido. Which is, and then his philosophy behind Aikido, which is that all life is precious. Now your Steven Seagal references. Complete. Complete. I just need to put on some yellow safety glasses and wear my hat backwards. And care about the environment. And eat a lot of Havarti. Havarti and, cheese is my favorite. And walk out with that MMA fighter. Not anymore. They're, they're no longer friends. What happened? Uh, uh, Steven Seagal Silva? claimed... Yeah, Anderson Silva. Steven yeah. Seagal claimed credit for teaching Anderson that kick. And <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait and, a minute. And, and Anderson was like... How did... How did that round marshmallow ever right. get enough air? <laughs> he teaches self-defense. He's what like, what kind of vertical jump see, do you think you, Steven Seagal has? Exactly. He's like, if you <laughs> if you want to stop someone from hitting you, you just punch him like that, I'm like, bah, right in the throat. Now, to be fair, uh, in his younger days, in in the nineties, uh, I guess would have been the early nineties. Uh, Steven Seagal movies were pretty cool, but now, no. I just listened to and his Mark for Death, right. Out for Justice. Uh, now Under I, Siege is probably one of my favorites. Sure. But that his smooth great. jazz albums that he puts out now are just stellar if you're into smooth jazz. Do you think Under Siege was made better because of Tommy Lee Jones as a villain or because yes. Erica Ileniak was in it? Can it be both? Do you do you know who Erica Ileniak is? I do. is? do I've seen that her? movie more than once. <laughs> I didn't, Probably because of Eric. No, I had an uncle who every time we went <laughs> Whatever over Whatever happened to her? I don't She She peaked. Well, Under Siege is the peak, <laughs> the pinnacle of Steven Seagal movies. I see. But uh, I, like you said, I felt like this episode meandered a little bit, but it was good. It's nice to see Morgan's backstory. It, uh, I think one of the things it did is allowed us all to take a collective breath. <sighs> yeah. Take a deep breath. Because we we need to process this. I think if we gave us information immediately following episode three, it would have made it worse. Yeah. And I like the storytelling device they did where he's talking to the leader of the wolves. 
You want to know everything. You want every drop from my cup. Right. Here it is. Yeah. But I went back and watched uh, season three uh, clear when oh. we saw Morgan again for the first time just to see if they'd kept the story up. Throughout. Oh, okay. And they did a really good job because in the season three episode, he's he does the whole thing. Oh, I have to clear. I'm here to clear. He doesn't recognize Rick at first. And when he... When Rick first captures him, he's like, kill me, kill, kill me. me. Yeah. Just kill me. So not that we didn't hear that in this episode. Yeah. And so a million times, a million times. So they, I think they did a really good job of keeping that the same because Morgan kind of was, got freed when he recognized Rick in mm-hmm. season three. Mm-hmm. But in this one, he had no one to recognize. So he was just this feral beast whose only job was to kill whatever. Right. And, you know, do you think he had a good reason to be feral? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I would too. Watching the your your wife, that who's a walker that you couldn't kill, eat your son. Yeah, I could see that. That, that, might, that might throw you over the edge a little throw bit. Throw you over the edge just a little bit. And so... He he went batshit crazy. Yeah. But what I felt that, you know, him screaming, kill me, as much as he did, that was a cry for help. It's like, I'm, I'm, I know that I'm so far gone, but suicide's not an option for me. Right. Because a lot of people would have taken the easy way out sure. in that situation. So it was like he was... He was begging to be put out of his misery is yeah. what I felt. That's what I felt. It's like, just get this over with. Sure. I mean, and it's, it's a little sad when you see that. Absolutely. Like he's, he's in so much pain and he's just, he's got to keep moving or he's going to die. And the cry that he, I, that he puts out, I think is what he really wants at that point. It's not like he's just saying it. That's some sort of bravado. Like I'm not afraid of death. I'm thinking he actually wants yeah. to die. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't want to feel this pain anymore. Take it from me. Absolutely. Please, just take, take this me. from me. Yeah. I can't do it myself. Right. And I love the Morgan character and I think he's a necessary opposite, but I, th- I think that it's about to be bad Sh- for him. Shit's going to go down. Well, yeah, because we see how conflicted he is. Uh, he has no problems dispatching walkers. Right. But he won't. Because they're not alive. Because they're not alive. I get that. But, you know, you can sense the tension even between him and Carol, him and Rick. Mm-hmm. Uh, just this whole, I don't agree with your methods. All life is precious. All life is precious. And this episode really explored that and how he kind of took this turn well and the example that he had because eastman's character you could see how conflicted he was because there were moments when he was about to lose it absolutely like when there's a scene where morgan breaks his daughter's drywall that he walked through 30 miles of the dead to bring to his cabin and it broke he wants to kill morgan at that point you can see it in his eyes, and he's able to take a couple deep breaths, practice his forms, and not go through with it. I'm trying to remember the actor's name. I know who he is. He was the older brother of Drew Carey on the Drew Carey show, uh, the cross-dressing brother. Right. That's um, right. Oh, man, his name escapes me off the top of my head. He's, he's a great actor as well. 
Uh, right. And he conveyed a lot of uh, information, a lot of emotion in his performance in this episode. And I, th- I think this is probably one of the better acted episodes I've seen. Because uh, it's just two people the whole time. It's two people. And I love that kind of stuff because I'm, I'm weird. Um, I love character studies. And this is definitely a character study. Uh, but there's some parallels between Eastman and Morgan. Yeah, John you know? Carroll Lynch. Thank you. Is his name. Uh, Eastman uh, is one of those people that could understand where Morgan was coming from. Yeah. Because he, too, had lost his family. And he lost his family in a pretty spectacular way. I would way. say that his way was worse. Way worse, I think. Because this was before the, the fall. Before the world ended. Yeah. Right. Um, he is forensic psychologist, and which is just an interesting uh, Why would vocation. anybody want to do that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I don't, I don't see, I mean, there's a handful of jobs in, in the world that I think you, you have to be born for that. And yes. that's not just something that anyone could do. Uh, whether you're like, uh, uh um, someone that works in a morgue or, or, or something, sure. but anytime you've got to deal a with hospice nurse. Yeah. yeah. Props to them. Mm-hmm. Props to them. Uh, that's not something that I could do. No. Uh, or cannot see myself doing and don't want to imagine myself doing. Right. Um, but you know, being able to, it was interesting because he had, he would interview all these folks, uh, to see if they, are they going to commit crime again? And, right. And yeah, so out of all the criminals that he worked with, uh, he said there was only one that was truly evil. And so I thought it was interesting. Over 800. One is evil. One was evil. And, and I thought that was interesting, uh, to, to, that he pointed that out. Um, but the one guy in particular, Crichton, Crichton Dallas Milton. And it's interesting because why is it that every time there's a, a mass murderer or a serial killer, they use their full name? I don't know. I, I don't know if I've ever done that research before, but do, do you understand? You you know, yeah, like John Wilkes Booth, yeah, Lee Harvey Oswald, yeah, yeah I get you. So anyway, um, uh, Eastman's character was uh, integral into denying Crichton's uh, release because uh, he said he could see right for, through his bullshit. That's right. He had everybody else fooled. He was very charismatic, but Eastman was like. I see it, and he saw that I saw it, mm-hmm. and he tried to kill me. That's right. And then he escapes and took out Eastman's family. Yeah, escapes, kills his family, and then turns himself back into the cops because he's like, Eastman is going to destroy my world. I'm going to destroy his world so that we're even. So then Eastman captures Crichton. Brings him back to the cabin in a cell and puts him in the cell and lets him starve to death. Said it took 47, 47 days? days, which is interesting because I think I don't know if you could starve to death in 47 days. I know if you didn't get water, you would die within a handful of days, but not eating for 47. I guess it's possible. I'm sure. And I'm doesn't, sure at this small point, I'm sure Eastman matter. was trying to drag it out, trying to make him suffer for as long as he oh, could. My, I'm sure. But Eastman had but a revelation, but it didn't fix anything. Right. And that didn't fix it. And that's when he decided that he would never kill again. Never, never kill again because, and that's what made him feel better. 
uh, having someone suffer and die, this person who'd done such evil to me, even when he died, I didn't feel any better. He made a couple of statements that really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. One of them was, everything is about people. Everything in this life that's worth a damn. Yep. And I can't disagree with that. Well, I think that sums up the walking dead in a phrase. Yeah. Every, it's about people. And they forget that sometimes. And then when they forget that, they're always reminded. Because the people are what matters in the end. If it's just about you, what's the point? Yeah. But the people, that's what matters. And and so I, I love that because it's things like that that give me pause to take inventory. Sure. And look at what I'm doing in my daily life. Mm-hmm. And... Are the things that I'm engaged in, the things that I'm working on, the things that I'm doing, does it fall under this umbrella of, is it working towards being of service to my fellow man? Is it being service to my family and my kids, my wife and my kids? Or am I doing things to, um, you know, uh, make myself feel better or elevate myself or, Am I doing things in the name of serving these people that's taking away time from actually spending with them, right? Right, right. Um, So I don't know. I tend to think about things a little differently. uh, Well, I mean, it's important to evaluate that kind of stuff. I hope hope more people do, uh, not not from a – I'm not trying to be arrogant or – No. I I just think – I don't know. This just resonated to me, and and it's like – to to come from a silly little show about zombies, right. uh, a, a what I feel is a universal truth that should be embraced mm-hmm. and internalized and should be probably thought about daily because, you know, how many times do we stop and think, are, are we really – are we really invested in each other's lives? Are we, do we really give a damn about each other mm-hmm. or is it just about us right. and about how we feel? And even to the point where I, I may say that I give a damn and act like I give a damn about people, but is the stuff that I'm doing with them just a facade to placate myself? Sure. You know, to, I don't want to get too to help you sleep at night. <laughs> I mean, everybody should take a moment to self-evaluate for sure because it's easy to be selfish and easy to only care about yourself, but you're not an island and there's so many people that are affected by your decisions and things you do in life. That's just something that you should think about and be cognizant of. Just be a little self-aware. That's easy. Yeah, and so in light of this, mm-hmm. uh, I think we were, we, we were already discussing this before we even sat down to record, right. is this idea of how we've got... Morgan, who's on this other end of the spectrum and is basically living, trying to live this worldview of all life is precious. Which you can't disagree with. No, you can't disagree with it, but there's only one, there's only one way to really make that work. Mm -hmm. And that is being able to defend life. And if you are, if you, if you're willing to defend life, where does that ultimately take you? You may have to take a life to defend a life. Because when there's that, really the only way that works. That when there's that evil in the world, <laughs> if you could end the life of one person to save the life of 50. Or even one innocent. Yeah. If, if someone, 
because in this episode, he's trying to turn the leader of the wolves. He's thinking that his story that he tells the leader of the wolves <laughs> will help him change. And the, the and that wolf, dude's not having it. The wolf guy looks at him. He's like, "If that's a good fucking story, yeah." But no thanks. He's like, "If <laughs> if, if if I survive this and I get out, I'm gonna eat you. I'm gonna have to kill you." That's just those that's, are the rules. That's what I do. That's, that's what I believe. That's in. what I do. And I like that. After that, Morgan makes a very purposeful. Like they make it obvious, he locks him in. And he wasn't locked yeah. in an Eastman cell because Eastman. What do you there was, think about that? I think Eastman knew Morgan had the chance for redemption. Yeah, and I think after Morgan, you can read people. Yeah, after you Morgan tells people. that story and sees his reaction, he's like, "There's no saving this guy. No, he's no. done. No, which was cool. It was a, it was great? But I, I liked Eastman keeping him in the cage and it never being locked. And that's you talk about. Meta, meta. You know that that was pretty cool. The, uh, the cage you're in is by your own design. That's right. You could escape <laughs> if you just open the door. Man, wow. Walking Dead's getting like all artsy fartsy now. <laughs> We're getting all deep in here. It's, but Walking Dead's like watching a French movie. I know. <laughs> I, I don't know any French, so we. Oui. <laughs> it's like watching Igmar Bergman. Oh Bergman. God, I don't want to watch any Igmar Bergman. <laughs> Uh, what else about this episode uh, really stuck with you? I mean, that was really it. Like the transformation for Morgan. Cause when you see him kill the father and son at the beginning of the episode, there's another scene later where he kills a Walker that's stalking this couple. And he, it looks like he's going to kill the couple, but he doesn't. And they offer him like a can of food and something else. And they say, thank you. And when they say, thank you, you can see this immediate change on Morgan's face. Mm. And it's like, okay, he's good now. He gets it. And because he had just had a tough moment, he was going through his PTSD withdrawals and Eastman had just gotten bit. So he knew he was going to die. What did you think about that? I guess Eastman should have had a red shirt too. I felt bad for <laughs> Eastman because. It's he, like, damn it. He, I mean, it felt, it felt like for sure he was a throwaway character. Yeah. Which I don't think he deserved. I mean, no, I mean, no, no. He it, served the purpose of this episode, this episode alone. Right. But I think he could have had a much better arc and it would have been cool to see <sighs> Eastman come back later. But I don't know. It, it was a kind of a lame way. Someone who's such an Aikido master and has been pounding the crap out of walkers for months now just to get bit because Morgan freezes because he recognizes the dude that he strangled earlier. <laughs> But, you know, maybe that's the point and maybe that's what's going to happen with this Glenn stuff. It's just an example of how you can be all badass and you'd be just, you know, taking walkers out left and right and you're smart and you survive. But it's one little fucking thing that's just, just, it just happens. Well, and in, in people die in the most insignificant bitch ways on a daily basis. Right. And that's just part of life too. And so maybe that's what's going to happen. I don't know. Right. They just want to say, hey, by the way, anybody, shit just happens. Nobody, like, and one thing that I always think about, and this is a really random ass example, but George St. Pierre, UFC champion, one of the best fighters in the history of the world, fucking lost to Matt Sarah. Cause Matt Sarah got a lucky punch mm -hmm. where he's swinging wild, catches him in the temple, yeah. and knocks him out. Done. And then the next fight, George St. Pierre pounded the shit out of him to right. make a point. Yeah. But I mean, Best fighter in the world, clearly outclassed this other guy, got caught. 
Well, it's any given Sunday. Accident. Yeah. It's an accident. Accident. Well, any given Sunday in football. Yeah. You could be the best football team in the world and some scrub team comes in and beats your ass. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, there's, so- this, there's this element of luck and surprise. You could, you got to prepare as best you can. And even if you prepare, you may not be good enough. And I think maybe that's part of the point, too. We become arrogant in our skill set. Sure. And we underestimate a situation. And that's something I try to do is never underestimate a situation, especially never underestimate people. Yes. Ever. Right. Because you never know. You never know when someone might be sandbagging you. Don't judge a book by its cover. it's It's like almost always assume that everyone knows as much as you do, if not a little bit more. There's always someone bigger. Always make that assumption. Always yeah. someone bigger, faster, stronger, smarter. Um. So, did you know that there is a connection to this episode, or with this episode, to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I did not. Well, please enlighten me. Uh, Lenny James was trained by Stephen Ho. Okay. To use that bow staff. Now, Stephen Ho was the uh, stunt actor that uh, wore the Donatello costume in mm. Secret of the Ooze. Really? And then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. I always forget what the subtitle of that one is. Because it's gar- hot garbage, I think. The is one the where name. they go back to Japan? Yes. Yeah, so Feudal Japan? To- what is that what one is called? I don't, I don't care. Because it doesn't matter. Turtles in time, something like that. Uh, you're going to look it up, aren't you? I am. You keep talking. So he trained Morgan, uh, Lenny James. Lenny James, yeah. Well, the Aikido master in this episode, what's his name? Eastman. Eastman. Yeah. Who created the Teenage Kevin, Mutant Ninja Turtles? Kevin Eastman. Kevin Eastman. Well, I guess did I could put those the, together. Did you notice the shirt? That Eastman was wearing when they first met, and mm-hmm. had a terrapin. Did on it? Which is a turtle. That is a turtle. You can't tell me that shit wasn't deliberate. It wasn't planned. Come on. Yeah, that's good. Really? Yeah, that's no, good. It has to be deliberate. Sneaky, sneaky, sneaky snakes is what they are. Um, I, you know, I can't think of anything else that uh, jumped out at me. Um, there was a lot of good quotes out of this. Sure. Um, out of this episode. Um, here's not here. Here's not not here. here. I said not here. That's the thing, Morgan. Here's not here. Not here. You stare, you go. Those are the choices. I will not allow you to kill me. And that falls in line. What we're talking about is in order for this, worldview and this value system to work you have to be willing to defend it right and that's i just i i feel like that's going to come into play here very shortly and it's going to come to head and morgan's going to butt heads with probably carol <laughs> which oh, i yeah. think would be awesome it's either gonna be carol or rick one of the two yeah. there's going to be a butting of the heads and i guess let's go ahead and get into theories sure because we've been going a while. And that's fine. Yeah. I'm we not we about told it. everybody it was going to be 14 hours. We tried to fit four episodes in. <laughs> and I think we did a good job. Can't fit four in one. 
So um, it's a bigger number than one. So I wonder how long Morgan has. I wonder if the clock is ticking. I I, I fear for him because of this uh, newfound uh, outlook on life that he's going to. That's going to be a detriment, right? I agree. Because you've you've already seen what happens when you let people go. That yeah. shit comes back to bite you in the ass. Because right, Rick could have died. Absolutely. Yeah. You're going to get... We've all seen what happens when characters do stupid things and get good people killed. Like Andrea in season three. Could have killed the governor, decided not to. And who died? She did. Yeah. And a bunch of other people. That's right. And I don't know. I, I, I guess people don't think it through and they just, they have this, it's like an, it's a very ideal, idealistic worldview. Sure. And you want to put your faith in people and hope that, hey, but when people don't think good's like going to win, people don't think what you think. That's, it's hard to, it is. Yeah. Absolutely. So I don't, I don't know. I hope Morgan doesn't die, but I think he's going to be the next main character to go for sure. He'll either be killed or he will revert back to his old ways a little bit and become this psycho killer. And I'm afraid he's going to kill someone and decide to exile himself. Like I can't just leave again. Yeah. Mm. I think the biggest thing that I want to see happen this season though is Negan needs to show up. Ooh, good old Negan. I mean, I we've seen foreshadowing bloody bats and stuff like that, which is another reason I don't think Glenn is dead. I think I think Negan's going to show up. You think he's going to be alive just so he can get pounded? Yes. Like he does I in do. the comic. I, I think <laughs> I think that's what's going to happen. I think we're going to I think he'll come back and he'll be back for a couple episodes and then Negan's going to show up and then Glenn's actually going to die. Well, you know what I think? I would love to hear it. I think that Glenn's not dead. Okay. He's going to come back. He won't be the same, but he's going to come back. Negan's going to show up and Negan's not going to kill Glenn. Negan's going to kill another main character and that'll be the colossal F you. So you, Oh, I think it, I think that's the misdirection. Are you thinking that? So you're thinking that it's going to be the person that everybody says, if they kill this person, then we'll riot. Is that who you think? Should we say names? I I think Daryl's da- days are numbered. You I'm do. Not, I'm not necessarily saying that that it's going to be Negan that that does him in. I just I I think. Okay, so the let me quanta qualify my statement. Excuse me. Um, this season so far really seems like the make showrunners, the makers of this series, are trying some different things. Sure. And so I feel like we might be starting to go down kind of a Game of Thrones path. Where nobody's safe? Where nobody's safe. And I th- but I think that's already been the case. Uh but not really. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's like, oh no, you know, because they haven't they, they've killed characters off, but they haven't been ones that have been really meaningful because we, we've already discussed sure. that. Yeah. Carter, who cares? Yeah. Uh, I, I think, I think it's bound to happen. I think that they're really part the biggest foreshadowing is that they're trying things different creatively. And I think what goes along with that is they're going to make some creative choices that people aren't going to like, but are good. But I feel like if they do it right, 
if people have the ability to step back away from their emotions, they, they don't. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I don't think. I don't think that'll that people will be able to do that because unless Daryl goes out like a hero, defending this, the the other people, if he just gets merciless, mercilessly beat in the head with a bat. Well, I'm not saying. I didn't say that. You don't think he's going to be Negan's victim? Do you think that's going to happen then? Do I think that... Do you think Lucille will meet someone's skull? Absolutely. Who do you think that's going to be? Morgan's definitely a candidate. I agree. Morgan's definitely a candidate. I I think think they're laying some groundwork for that. What's Reg's wife's name? Uh, why do you put me on the spot like that? I'm sorry. I think she's one <laughs> and I don't want to say it because I think it would be horrible, but I think Maggie is definitely a candidate, which would be awful. But I think for a while that she's going to be one that's going to go. Well, you know, I, I, I hope not because I know while we don't know for sure yet, you can assume uh, we've we've speculated that she may be with child. Yeah, and which so, I don't think I would. Oh God, I would hope that. The, and we've deliberately not watched episode five. Yeah, I really hope that the creators so, wouldn't do that. But I think she's definitely a candidate. I've heard some rumblings that I have too. we're going to get a confirmation on that soon. I've heard that as well. Uh, nothing definitive, but <clears throat> and I don't think Carl will ever get killed. I mean, not because he's a kid no, or anything. I, I just think he's like you, a, a, your worst nightmare, and he will never go away. <laughs> he's like he'll hey. never cut his hair. Oh, God. Uh, you know, you want to hear a wild theory that I, I've sure contemplated is that the series will end once Rick realizes that Carl is more equipped for the apocalypse and going forward mm. than he is, and so once he knows that. Carl can fend for himself. He's just going to quit. And protect his sister. It'll be done. You think so? It's just... That's a, that's a good theory. It's just a theory, you know? That's a good theory. Yeah, I mean, none, none, you know, how often are we right on right. things? That never. But it's fun to speculate. But I was just thinking about it because, you know, as a father, you can let go of something once you know someone has a handle on it. And you are no longer I'm ha- well, I shouldn't say you're no longer useful, but you're necessary. no longer necessary. Right. 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 Um from, from a from that learning and protection perspective. And and that's a weird thing to think about, but that day will happen when you no longer need my protection. Sure. And when you no longer need my protection, you're f- okay, you can go. I can let you go and be you can be that free. I think that's a good goal to have though. Yeah, absolutely. That should be absolutely. Um, I think, I think Alexandria is about to be no more decimated that herd. It has to. Yeah. That some, they got a lot of the herd back on the road. We saw that, but I think there's enough walkers coming their way that they're done. (laughs) They're done. And they're just not ready. They're just not ready. I think they're no, just. It's, it's going to cull the population, which they need to. <laughs> the wolves have done that already, right? They're they're, they're <laughs> cutting it down to the the cream of the cream because they. I think they're getting too many characters, and it's also a good reminder that you. Every time that the survivors think they're in a safe place, reality sets in and crashes on them hard. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I really want to see Negan. 
I do think that Negan is the leader of the wolves. It's the saviors and the scavengers kind of mixed together. Well, this past week they've had that one actor from Deadwood. Uh, what's his name? Dang it. Uh, Garrett. Right, 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 right. Uh, I forget his last name, but he's got the burn. Is that the one with the burn? No, 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 no. Anyway, he tweeted out that he was reading the third volume of the compendium. And he's like, ah, just, you know, reading this today, just because did some other tweets that basically said that he wants it. He wants to be Nagin. Yeah. And, and it's like, Oh, that's, that's kind of cool. I mean, I think he'd probably, I mean, he kind of has that look. Who would you want to be Nagin? Well, anybody, you know, it's funny because I'm not sure who uh, once once I actually kind of dug in and and found out who Kirkman modeled uh, Negan uh, on, mm-hmm. uh, I can't see anybody else doing it. Who was it? Uh, Henry Rollins. Yeah, you see that now. Can't oh you? yeah, absolutely. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, huh? Damn. And uh, Kirkman always he was always saying, well, I don't want to. Uh, the interview that I finally found, he's like, well, I don't want to tell you who it is because uh, if we can get him and he wants to do it, it's totally his. Right. And I'm like, that actually would be pretty badass. Would be. I hope he would throw in some of his spoken word. Oh, God. While he's doing his monologues. Brilliant. Oh, yeah. He's a brilliant man. Oh, I'm not disagreeing. He's not just a, a brilliant musician, but I kind of put him in that same category as Jim Morrison. And from a lyricist perspective, it's not just... He's not just a brilliant lyricist. He's a poet. Right. And that's poetry. That's what tripping on acid will do for you. <laughs> uh, but that would be pretty cool. If they, could get, if they could get Henry Rollins, because that's who Kirkman uh, based the character on, that would be pretty sweet. And, you know, Negan is, you know, the governor's pretty badass. Right. But he's not as badass as Negan. No. And yeah. Negan's like, who's the governor? Never it, heard of her. That's exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what he's thinking. I, I'm I'm like kind of nervous and anxious to, to to see how they do that because it's like, how are they gonna get first of all, they can't really get away with representing him how he is in the comics because yeah. he's just just foul mouth yeah, yeah. psychopath. Yeah. And, uh, but, but I made very likable. I made very shit and you thanked me for it. <laughs> yes. Um, so whoever they get, uh, right. It just needs to have fun with it. I thought Ron Perlman would maybe be good. You don't think he's a little too old? Exactly. That, like, uh, like the younger Ron Perlman would have oh, been. Oh, that actually, because Ron Perlman's a brilliant actor. Oh, he'd have been killer. And he, I think he has that attitude. Yeah. That humor, that yeah. sarcasm, the wit, and, and then he can go vicious. Oh, absolutely! So, absolutely. I don't I'm know. Trying to think of who else, who else uh, Stone would have that? It's Stone, <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin. No, no, I'm kidding. No, but we can dream. I right? can't give you a hell yeah on that one. Right. What? <laughs> exactly. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, they they they've got. There's plenty of characters i mean people who could play the character but like you said they've got to do it justice otherwise don't do it at all that's right any other theories or i don't know i think i think we covered everything um i think yeah well i had a lot of fun i had a lot of fun talking about these i did too it was nice uh, i have missed it i have missed it as well uh we need to well 
I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what their response is to this. Yeah, for sure. Maybe, maybe. There's always a chance. There's there's an outside chance that we can carve out the time to uh, kind of prioritize. I'm just looking at the look on your face at what I'm about to say. No, no, the, there's no look the, on my the face. The pain. There's no pain. The pain that that's, I'm causing you. That's just from sitting on this uncomfortable chair for uh, You know what we didn't do? We didn't talk about. Flight four sixty two, and that's you know what? Okay. That's okay. That's okay. Let we, maybe we'll we get, should maybe we should let that finish. Let, let that finish, and then maybe we can just do an episode, a short episode, because just five on minutes that. is yeah, no. yeah. There's not much to talk about. Although I, I think it's pretty exciting. I'm, I'm it enjoying it so yeah, far. For sure. Uh, definitely check that out if you haven't. It's I th- online. I think that the fear though, fear the Walking Dead uh, season one is about to be released on DVD slash Blu-ray, and there's <laughs> supposed to be some special features. Okay. Uh, that, People better that, not pay for that. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm I'm curious to see what the special features are that come out. Sure. That. Oh yeah, I would. Be um, to see I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna buy a copy just for that. No. But uh, I am. Torrent. I am curious to see um, you know what those special features are. It might be interesting. Uh, so if you don't hear from us sooner, we'll be back. In a month, yep. recapping episodes five, six, seven, and eight. Because that'll be the last episodes before the mid-season break. Till, oh, is it? So yeah. it's... And then it'll come back in February. Oh, gosh. Yeah. What are we going to do between the end of episode eight and February? I don't Nothing. Know, t- Not t- a damn thing. Take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to figure something out. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll come up with something very creative. Will we? I'm, I'm, will we? I'm sure it will. Maybe be. we'll just have to point people to our other podcasts. Yeah. What are those other podcasts? Well, there's the one that you and Steven are doing. That's, that's right. Dragon Ballers. Dragon Ballers. Which I don't get, but whatever. That's your thing. That is. Uh, there's the one that my wife and I are doing. Once Upon It. Once Upon It Time. Yeah. So if you like. And it's actually clean. I, which is shocking. It, it's very difficult. Knowing you and Steph, I'm shocked. <laughs> How much editing? Do you spend six hours a week editing? Pretty much. That? Like pretty we got, much. We got to retake this whole thing. Pretty much. I'm pretty sure you said that and that and that, <laughs> like in succession. We're having a lot of fun with that. Okay. Yeah. Having you, a lot of fun I can with tell. that. Um, and then, of course, there's the main show, Enthcast. The Nthcast proper. That's right. Maybe don't listen to the last episode. Because yeah, please that, don't. That, that is what we call in TV land a filler episode. Absolutely. And, uh, so it's informative, but maybe but, not, maybe not information you want. <laughs> we do have James Bond retrospective coming up next week on the nth cast. So you may want to check that out. Yeah. 49. And, uh, Hey, we said it was going to go long and it did. We're sitting at about an hour and 50. I hope that was long enough. If it wasn't long enough, let us know. Uh, you can, uh, hit us up on Twitter at fear nthcast or shoot me an email, uh, josh at nthcast.com. Or you can hit me up, jd at nthcast.com. Uh, if you could do us a favor, uh, let all your friends that love The Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, know about this podcast. Please. Uh, there's, if this is the first episode you've listened to, We've got, uh, the, we cover the first six episodes of season one of Fear the Walking Dead that are, it's out there on iTunes, mm-hmm. Stitcher, SoundCloud. Uh, just uh, look it up. While you're there, if you could take the time to let us know how we did by leaving us a rating review, we would appreciate it. It helps us out a ton. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. In a month. <laughs>